beautiful soul being welcome to the connecting soul beings podcast offering you the animal lover information tips and learning on soul to soul connection animal communication self-leadership and all things spiritual we will help you tune into the language of animals and the soul inspiring you to gain a deep intuitive understanding of yourself and the animals you become more connected feelings of love and empowerment so that you experience harmony and joy, true soul-to-soul connection. Welcome beautiful soul. Today we have the wonderful Amrit Sandhu from Australia with us. I am truly honored to introduce you to him. Amrit is a beautiful soul and he is a podcast host, international speaker and founder of the Inspired Evolution. He has been certified by Eckhart Tolle's School of Awakening. He is also a Mind Valley Master Certified Trainer for Australia and India. Amrit has traveled the world delivering keynotes, talks, seminars, and workshops for the Inspired Evolution and also Mind Valley. Amrit has a huge love for helping people, and this stems from his own struggles with depression, which were triggered during his own personal awakening journey. Now today he shares the tools of meditation and his personal development journey, which has helped him profoundly on his own journey towards wholeness. Well, Amrit, it's really excited to have you here. I'm absolutely stoked and it's such an honor. I feel a little bit sort of overwhelmed as well because I've literally just started my podcasting. <laughs> in podcasting. <laughs> Congratulations though. Oh my God. What an exciting journey you're on. Oh, it is very much so. So, um, yeah, so we'll just take it, you know, as it comes and we'll go with the flow sort of thing. And I think you and I both have that in us anyhow, <laughs> uh, which is really wonderful. Um, but I'm sure that there's quite a few listeners that have not heard of you before. So I would love to hear from you a little bit more about your story to kick it off. Sure. So when you say my story, are you looking for some of the background that informs what I do or are we looking into what I offer in the world at the moment? What are we talking about? Yeah, probably a little bit more about your background, how you got into um, mindfulness, meditation and your beautiful uh, company and podcast Inspired Evolution and what that's all about as well. Yeah, love it. Awesome. Okay, thank you so much. Um, Wonderful to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Yeah, so the story, put a long story quite succinctly for your listeners is basically... um, Coming out through high school into university, I struggled with depression for about six years, Um, six to seven years, so about six years. And um, the long story short of that was um, I basically found that the only thing I I discovered this when I was sitting in a, like I was diagnosed with depression when I was sitting opposite a psychotherapist in a a doctor's office. And um, she basically said, you know, you're depressed, um, you've got this, 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 and these are the reasons why. And I was like, okay. And she basically gave me an option. She gave me pills. Um, Mm -hmm. And through some sort of grace, the doctor that prescribed me to that psychotherapist, um, actually the psychotherapist only gave me pills. (laughs) Um, But the doctor who was in the same clinic that prescribed me the psychotherapist, um, she, in her infinite wisdom, gave me this breathing exercise. And at the time, I clearly remember, like, I, you know, I, it just breathing exercise, you know, like I looked at the doctor and I was like, 
are you serious? Like I've just been diagnosed by my psychotherapist now for having had depression for six years and all these symptoms and all this sort of stuff. And you're telling me to breathe. Like this is something I do every day anyway. And you're telling me to breathe. Like, you know, I, I, I've, I've like, I've, I was infuriated. Let's just put it that way. Mm. Um, and so I went to the, I went straight to the pharmacy, fulfilled a prescription, got the pills um, and took my first pill. And it was amazing, I have to say. Um, I was on this euphoric high and mm. I got so much done, you know, like some people talk about the chemical imbalance. Um, once that was rectified, there was just so much vitality, so much, you know, like dum, 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 dum. It was an amazing eight hours. Um, and as soon as it wore off, I crashed. Mm. And I didn't know too much about too many things at this point. But the one thing I got quite clear on as soon as I crashed was, oh, this, I can't do this. I really can't do this. Um, I, you know, I'd been going to the gym for a while. So health was an important part of my life. But mental health was something I didn't really have a many conversations around with anybody, to be honest. Um, but the one thing I got really clear on was some part of me knew that I couldn't consistently take a pill be normal or like, you know, be high and then kind of get what I needed to do done and then crash and then take another pill and then go up and then crash. And then take, like, that was just something that I was not like willing to engage in. Mm. Uh, but so I stopped taking the pills, but I never thought about the mindfulness exercise, the, the breathing exercise she gave me. Right. So I basically just ended up in a situation uh, maybe about a week later where I was sitting, I was in an environment that, promoted a lot of anxiety for me. Um, I was, it, was, it was a simple environment. I was just walking down a corridor hall at university, but something triggered this intense anxiety. And um, I pulled out my phone, which I didn't realize this was a coping mechanism. Now I look back and I used to call my friends and as an extrovert, just speak to people. I used to consume my time by filling other people's energy into it just to sort of stay grounded. But um, I pulled out my phone and on the back, by some sort of divine grace or, you know, my own grace, um, there was the breathing exercise was sort of in the back cover of my phone and I had a clear cover to my phone and I was looking at this breathing exercise. So I just, I just tried it, you know, and it was very simple. It's breathe in to the count of one and breathe out to the count of two, breathe in to the count of three and breathe out to the count of four, mm. breathe in to the count of five, out to four and then just keep going up and down back and forward like that and so I did this and I, I can't even like begin to articulate my amazement in the moment right like because I actually found myself calm I actually found myself like all the symptoms sort of like easing and it was it was profound to put the least it was like oh wow this is actually working and um that moment I clearly remember and it, it pretty much changed my life. So from there, um, I ended up, you know, reading some other more books on this because then I, from there, like this breathing, what is this? You know, it was this profound experience that was really helping me in this really heavy place that I was in. And I started realizing, okay, so this breathing is actually mindfulness. Um, and, you know, I read this book called The Happiness Trap, which is a great first read for those looking into mindfulness. Um, and on the back of that, I started realizing that mindfulness is an aspect of meditation and my father had been a meditator his whole life, but I always thought it was something for him. It was a spiritual practice. It was, you know, it wasn't anything to do with me. Um, but then from there, this whole practice around meditation and mindfulness started to just 
snowball and become its own thing. Um, the journey around the inspired evolution is an interesting one. Um, and so basically conducting all these interviews again and again with all these like uh, inspiring people, um, I've come to find that the journey of the, uh, you know, perhaps the wounded healer, you can call it that, um, is quite a profound uh, archetype and it plays out extremely commonly in society. So, and all that really means is that our biggest challenges more often than not will form your biggest gift. Mm -hmm. Right. So whatever it is that was your biggest challenge in life, if you can like figure out how to work through that darkness or that aspect of whatever was your challenge, um, once you've built all the tools to get through that, it then becomes your responsibility to share that with other people that are going through their journey. And that will determine, you know, how effectively you um, conduct yourself in the world. And so my biggest challenge was that depression. Um, and so meditation got me through that. And through the episodes and realizing that all these people that have had all these challenges and whatever their challenges were that they got through, um, supported their biggest offering. Um, it wasn't even like you come from a place like, okay, this is my challenge. So this is what I'm going to offer. It just so happens that you had your challenge and what supported you through your challenge for me, it was meditation mm -hmm. gave me so much. It just gave me so much as a tool, as a thing that, I couldn't help but like just walk around and just be like, Hey, 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 have you like meditation, meditation, like, Hey, meditation, meditation. And I was talking about this with my friends all the time. My friends were becoming meditators. People were adapting onto it and it just became a thing that organically grew. It just filled my own cup up so much that it organically just got to that way. And then it was like, okay, you can support not just individuals doing this, uh, let are your friends, but then individuals one-on-one -on -one that, you know, like can pay for this as a service. Yeah. And that turned into construction companies because I used to work in construction and I realized like how toxic that environment can be um, and how much need there is, you know, for this kind of work and no one else is doing it basically. So being the only one that is doing it uh, is kind of empowering, but also like it's, it's it has its challenges. Um, and so in and around that, you know, working with more construction companies has led to working with other companies. So that's how corporate mindfulness has kind of been built out for the inspired evolution. Everything's been very organic. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, getting in touch with what was my challenge and then having to work through that and then having to work through that and realize that I'm not alone in my challenge. Everybody else is going through certain things as well and just supporting them into the best of my ability that I can with the tools that I have. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I can really um, hear the passion that you have for it as well in that. And I just want to honor you to go through that process, you know, and actually acknowledging that, okay, let's go the medication route and then, you know, test out the breathing as well at the same time. And then it evolves in this beautiful um, service that you provide the world, you know, not just yourself in that sense as well. And that's really beautiful. Now, in terms of um, what you say about the, the corporate industry and the construction, I've, I've got this vision of all these tough guys, <laughs> you know, working with you and meditating. And I can sort of appreciate that that can be a bit of a challenge because people in that environment may not have been ex ex exposed to meditation and mindfulness and being aware let alone a little bit more around the spirituality as well that comes with that. How do yeah. people, you know, around that? What What is your process? Sweet. So it depends how deep you want to go in this conversation. Um, so if you want to get really deep, which, you know, I know you, and so let's just go all the way. Um, I grew up in hospitality, right? And so if you look back into your life, we all have these different 
like everybody has different assets, you know, um, everybody has a certain gift or a quality that is uniquely theirs. Um, for some people, it may be, you know, that they're amazing speakers. For some people, it may be that they're amazing listeners, you know, that we're not all the same. Um, for something that is, I grew up in hospitality. And so from a very early age, I was dealing with a range of people all the time because you were, you know, I just grew up in a restaurant. My parents had a restaurant. So I was dealing with people that, you know, were CEOs, but people, my, my father would feed homeless people as well, you know? So like it was all these range of people that I'd consistently engage with and connect with. So I bring that in because that is kind of where all this mindfulness work comes into. And I kind of see, you know, the value that I bring is I'm not necessarily the meditation teacher. Like we can totally sit down and have a conversation and I can put on a voice and guide you into a meditation, you know, but for sure. But at the same time, there's also the, you know, I get to be the meditation teacher that goes out to construction sites and be like today, you know, some days your head is going to fuck with you, you know, and I get to swear through meditation training. Um, but that's because I can meet them where they're at and, you know, relate with them. And not only because it's like, I'm putting it on, I've been where they've been, you know, like I've actually engaged and been in that situation. So I found that that's kind of been the groove that has supported me to do this work, spreading it further and further. Now, that was a little important piece about getting recognizing like what it is that, you know, you is uniquely your kind of code. You know, for me, range is a really important thing. Like, you know, trying to connect with different people across a different range is something that I love doing. It's just inbuilt in me. Um, but everybody has their own thing. So for construction workers specifically, you would think, you know, um, corporate, a lot of people are very, um, very savvy these days. The internet is promoting a lot of mindfulness all the time. People are switched on onto the benefits of mindfulness. They want to know how to do it and how to most effectively do it. The conversation that often comes up in corporate environments is minimum effective dose, you know, like I can't sit for an hour and a half, you know, or I can't sit like five minutes doesn't really get me there. And there's a whole rate myriad of conversations we can have around that. But on construction sites, people often ask the same question, which you just did, which is, Hey, like, you know, these construction workers, you know, they're wearing their steel cap boots, they're burly, they're hard, you know, and like what goes on? Like, how do you even break through to these people? And the reality of the situation is, you know, those are everyone's projections. <laughs> you know, these are, these are absolutely human beings just like everybody else. And if anything, they haven't had the opportunity to share what's been on their heart, on their mind, because nobody listens. You know, so the minute someone like me rocks up and it's like, hey, this is what we're going to do. And they're like, that's odd, mate. Like, you know, but I dress like them. I talk like them. I've been one of them. They know that I've worked in the industry. I still work in some capacity to the industry. And so, you know, as a consultant, so this is, you know, this is still going on. So they kind of trust and let me in. And there's this amazing moment, you know, and generally this is how I like to do it is, you know, because we can talk about mindfulness all day, but until you kind of have a meditation, you don't really know what we're talking about right mm -hmm. and so my favorite moment is going out to a new construction company specifically construction because it's amazing and then guiding them into a meditation and they kind of trust you going through into the process and then as soon as you try and pull them out of the meditation this anxiety like you can feel the anxiety feel back into the space <laughs> and it's like where did where did i just go you know is the connective thought that is going on because these people have never checked in you know They've never gone inwards, never spent some time. And it's like, wow, that was amazing. But where was I just then? You know, it was like, mate, inside, you know, there's a whole world inside you. Um, and that opens up to this whole other thing, you know. So mindfulness has then led into me having to sort of acquire tools and become more supportive as a life coach so I can support people on their journeys because 
people in construction, you know, there are, there is unresolved anger issues. There is unresolved things around shame. You know, there can be a lot of bullying and all these things that people have to interface in this environment because there's so many people with unresolved emotional stuff. They didn't have the opportunity to speak about because they didn't have awareness around because they didn't have the awareness because they didn't spend any time going inside or asking any questions, or there was no one there to interface to ask the questions to. And so all of a sudden you've got, you know, someone like myself rocking up, which is like, Hey, you know, let's just become aware. And if there's anything you want to talk about, let's talk about it. Um, this interesting space opens up and people start really sh um, shedding their layers and the outer layer, which we all see, which is the facade, which is like, yeah, burly construction worker is like millimeters, millimeters deep. It is so thin. It is such a thin veil that as soon as you get in, these people have so much going on, sometimes more than, you know, your average person. And they're just waiting to, to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. And that's wonderful, you know, because what you said as well, that you understand where they're at because you've experienced it yourself and you know their industry so well. And yeah, it, it's absolutely to do with what we perceive it to be because we see them, you know, working hard and they're in there. And um, so to have you there to, to really bring it out in them to actually go inwards, you know, that that's really amazing. The thing that came up for me when you were talking about you bring them into that state of meditation where they can look inwards. And then you mentioned when they come out, the anxiety creeps back in. How do you manage that that doesn't happen? Right. So that is something that is naturally going to happen, right? So especially initially when you're starting out on this journey, you're going to have moments where you're consistently you know, feeling stress and uh, meditation might be something that you're using as a reactive tool to your stress. And mm -hmm. oftentimes when you're most stressed, you forget that you have meditation as a tool, right? And, you know, I, I'm still guilty of this for some days, you know, it's like working around da, 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 and there's so much happening and it's like, now's the time I need to pause for 10 minutes. And that awareness will even drop in, but I still won't have the opportunity to drop in for 10 minutes, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so in and around that is, there's a lot to that, but the fundamentally, the anxiety and the stress, I humbly believe, are an amazing gift. So a lot of people have this idea that stress is negative, stress is bad. Stress is, in my humble opinion, trying to do the work for you that I would like to do for you, you know, which is asking you to change and come back into balance, you know. Mm. Um, that's all stress is doing for you. Stress is here and it's like, hey, like it's your body going, hey, I'm sending a chemical response. Can you slow down? Can you slow down? Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not built for this. I'm not meant to do this. Don't, okay, put in another coffee. Damn, okay, here I go again. You know, it's like, all right, keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. After a while, that stress response gets so high that you end up sick. Yes. Yeah. Like that, right? You're yeah. not aware of where you're at. So stress is something that, you know, is doing an amazing job for you. So that anxiety is much the same, right? That anxiety is, is, is letting you know that you're not present. Hmm. that's all anxiety is, right? So anxiety and depression are very closely linked. I'm going to go on a bit of a rant here, but basically meditation brings you back into the present moment, right? Mindfulness especially is a type of meditation that brings you back into the present moment. Hmm. Yep. Um, but as soon as you're anxious, basically what's happened is your thoughts are drifting in towards the future. You've got thoughts that are wired towards the future. Hmm. Yeah? And as soon as you're feeling depressed, basically what's happened is your thoughts have started weaving towards the past. You've started thinking about something in the past and that's, that's at its fundamental level. That's what's happening. Now you can say, Oh, maybe we should just spend the whole time in the present and yes and no, you know, I'm currently being coached by Eckhart Tolle and he's, you know, he's written the power of now. And even in that, you know, we're talking a lot about purpose and purpose is about, 
you know, why are you here to do what you're going to do for the rest of your life? You know, that's a deep conversation about the future. Um, And so even, you know, there's space always for the future and there is space to reflect on the past. These are evolutionary tools. We can't avoid these because if we never looked back at our mistakes, we couldn't build a better tomorrow, you know, and if we don't plan for the future, we're basically stuck in the present moment. We don't have a tomorrow that, you know, looks like air conditioned apartments and houses and all this sort of stuff. Like how are we going to, make it through tomorrow. So the world we live in has been really blessed by our thinking, but at the same time, all this thinking left unchecked, you know, this is a common thing, which you'll hear meditators say is that, you know, your mind is a tool, but generally what ends up happening is you think you are your mind, you identify with your mind and your mind runs everything and left unchecked. I found this true for myself. Like I'm a classy example. I'm an engineer by qualification. So I'm Mr. Hard Hat, Spanner. I'm Mr. Fix-It. Yeah, so I, I, I look to fix everything. But early in my meditation practice, I came to identify that my mind is so good at fixing problems that even if it didn't have a problem to fix, it would start looking for problems to fix. Mm. Yeah, because I was so solution-oriented as an individual. It's like, okay, this is a problem. Let me fix that. This is a problem. Let me fix that. But it's always identifying problems in the past, in the future. This didn't work out or this could be better. You know, but it's like, hey, everything is kind of perfect in the present moment. It always is. Mm-hmm. Take this present moment for an example. There's you and I sitting here. I'm in a comfortable home. You've got a beautiful background. I'm in this amazing space having a really yummy conversation with an individual. Yeah. And the present moment is always a blessing. It's always a gift. You know, there's blood pumping in my body. I get to breathe. I get to engage. I get to think. It's, it's always every time you come back into the present moment, you'll find something to be grateful for. It's amazing. So in and around that coming back into the present moment is the work of mindfulness and meditation. So the anxiety is pulling you into the future, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's a gift because what it's doing is actually going, Hey, do you notice how your thoughts pull you towards the future? And as soon as you start getting the stress response of anxiety, which is shortness of breath, your body starts compressing. It's like, ah, I'm not in the present moment. So now is an opportunity for you to identify that your body's communicating to you like, Hey, come back. And then you can settle back in and start breathing again. Yeah. And come back to the present moment. But as with anything, you know, it takes cultivation, you know, so the more times you identify and there's many different stages to being an adept meditator um, and what works for you at certain stages doesn't necessarily work for you at other stages. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's why I have, you know, such a personalized one-on-one meditation coaching practice for people. Um, And so you start off, you know, initially it's like these massive responses and then it's like, okay, how do I curb these massive stress and anxiety responses that I have? You know, and then down the track, you know, once you've been meditating for four or five years, you find that you sit in meditation and it's extremely boring, you know, and it's like, what is going on? How do I, how do I move through the boredom of my practice? And in that, you know, it's like, like really connecting to certain elements of your practice. So, you know, there's all these various myriad of stages of the journey that, you know, they come up and I have to say, you know, all the good things in life, music, um, meditation, they're endless, these journeys, you know? So it's, 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 um, I think that has some sort of intimidation factor to it as well. People kind of don't see an outcome to meditation. Mm -hmm. Like I'm taking it on, I'll de-stress in like eight weeks, you know? And that's why the eight week course for, you know, mindfulness, introduction to mindfulness sells really well, you know? And it, 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 I can't deny it. It sets you up for a practice of mindfulness and I'm glad that, you know, I offer it, but at the same time, it's, it's the beginning, you know, like at the end of the eight weeks, you're not done. You've just started, you know, on the back of that, your lifelong journey with mindfulness and meditation begins. 
Yes. Oh, I so agree with that for sure. Um, yeah. I love what you're saying around the anxiety and the stress. It's a really wonderful way to look at that. And I think it's very relevant in this day and age, because as you said, so many people are experiencing that at some stage in their life. I don't think anyone is immune to experiencing some level of anxiety or, or stress, but it's really wonderful to learn from you that, you know, it has to do with looking into the future and then, you know, the, the depression takes you back into the past and we can get stuck in those two elements. So to actually bring that back with that meditative mindfulness exercise to become more present, that really helps to lift that up. And from that moment, we can really become more aware and really centered to see, okay, what is the next small step that I can take? in a much more relaxed way. And I feel like, you know, a big part of my like one-on-one coaching comes back to this phrase, you know, is like, did you really stand a chance? I'm not trying to absolve anybody from their responsibility, but like I said, you know, your brain is chemically wired to look back into the past and into the future. It's a natural evolutionary process tool. It's very hard to, you know, if you weren't educated on how to fight that or like manage that or work with that or be at peace with that, how to navigate your process through that. But the reality is it's not difficult. Yeah. Like if you have the tools, it's very straightforward. Like if I asked you what's two plus two, you know, it's four, but you were educated on that. You just weren't educated in mindfulness. Something that is now rampantly shifting across the planet. Mindfulness is being introduced into like school curriculums at a very early age because now they're seeing how many emotional disorders we now have as adults. Yes. And it's beautiful that children take it on board so well. (laughs) I've seen a few articles and videos on that as well. It's just wonderful. They just do it, you know, and it's so easy for them to just get into that space too, Mm. because children don't have the exposure that we have as adults and we, Mm. they don't necessarily filter through things either. They just take it as it is in that moment, Mm. you know, and it's beautiful for them to learn this practice at such an early age because that will set them up for the rest of their lives. That's absolutely amazing. Yeah. Oh God, I love all this stuff. It's really cool. (laughs) Now, personally, I mean, you being an engineer, me coming from a finance background and having worked in corporate finance for so many years myself, the challenge for me personally was around the meditation was that it wasn't necessarily tangible. Mm. And I didn't have a practicality around that. There was no, you know, okay, we're going to do this really you know, with an outcome per se, you know, mm. which I have learned over the years that I've been doing this, you don't always meditate with an outcome in mind. Mm. You know, it is really to get yourself centered, grounded. And for me personally, it gives me an element of peace and it gives me an element of trust in myself. And also for me, the meditation gives me a, a pure connection to myself, but also everything that's around me. Mm. And having to accept that it is what it is and not to analyze that process Mm. (laughs) was a big journey for me because that held me back at times from truly connecting to myself and going inwards. Mm. What is your experience in that going into the corporate world to, you know, have people, um, yeah, implement that at a practical level is probably where I'm going with this. Sure. Can I ask you just a question is like, how long did it take for all those, like knowing that meditation was centering you, was helping you connect to, you know, your, yourself? How long did that take for you for that to settle in? Oh, goodness, quite a while. Mm. Yeah, it, sometimes it still comes back. 
Yeah. You know, so it's a, it's a process that takes a while for you to reap the benefit, like to reap the awareness of the benefits from now for corporates, like it's, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a different climate. Again, a finance company is very different to a construction company, which is very different to an IT company. You know, I've worked with various different companies mm-hmm. um, and marketing people, you know, they're all into the buzz of mindfulness, but really bringing awareness into their system is like a, it's quite a shocking experience actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, there's all this sort of diverse, like everybody comes with their own perspective and lens on it. But fundamentally, like a really simple meditation on an exercise is gratitude, mm-hmm. right? So if I ask you to right now, think about three things you're grateful for mm-hmm. and really feel those moments that you're grateful for. It could have been a holiday you went on. It could have been a dog that exists in your life. It could have been a human being that really matters to you. Just gratitude for three things, three moments, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're really filling up with that emotion, and I ask you to try and think of something that you're like really angry about, but still feel their gratitude for those. You can't, you can't do that. Right. You really, you can't hold two opposing emotions at mm-hmm. the same time. Right. And so you start becoming aware of like, okay, this is really like, this is really a thing, you know, um, where if I, where I focus my attention can actually have an impact on my state. And we all know that where, where our state is kind of has a ripple effect onto how we conduct ourselves. When I'm in a good mood, I have good meetings. If I'm in a shit mood, I have shit meetings. You yep. know what I mean? And that everybody can identify with that. And then, you know, there's a blessing at the moment, you know, which is why I feel really grateful to be, you know, a mindfulness instructor and a meditation teacher and, you know, a life coach in 2019 of all times to be alive is there is so much hard science coming at all of this now, you know, like looking into like what parts of your, okay. So just to give people an idea of the birthplace of neuroscience, right? So, when we started with neuroscience, basically what happened was initially we, your amygdala, no one, like there was no space for us to, there was no model where we thought that the amygdala could be downregulated. The amygdala is the deepest chorus part of your mind, right? It's the, what some people call the reptilian mind, right? It's where your flight and fight and flight response reside. Yeah. And that was believed to be so innate to who you are. It's just, you're, you're in flight or flight, fight or flight. You just jump into that. You just drop into that moment. You know, um, there's no ability to, there's no way to really down regulate that part of your brain. And why would you want to? It's responsible for safety first and foremost, when you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Right. And so when you get into that space, they found that, you know, they geared up this meditator and sent him into an MRI machine, an MRI scan. And, his amygdala was down regulating Mm -hmm. and they're like, what's going on for you? Like, how are you doing this? And his response was basically, I'm like, I'm, I'm anxious about the scan. So I'm just meditating. And from there they realized, wow, meditation can actually impact your amygdala, which is like the chorus party brain to this date. We didn't think that it could be impacted Mm -hmm. through such a simple thing as breathing and connecting. Right. And so from there, the whole space for neuroscience has been birthed. Yeah. So that gives meditation a really amazing gateway into like the exploration of neuroscience and then neuroplasticity and everything that you focus on, you know, and it brings a wonderful conversation around, you know, ancient, ancient practices such as mantras. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, which I never introduce in a corporate training. Right. But they do exist in my own personal training. Right. So, the use of a mantra when you're consistently focusing on a certain thing, we know with enough NLP behind you that if you're consistently focusing on enough of a certain thing, you, you are priming yourself for the awareness 
for that to basically happen. And then if you want to get super hippie about it, the law of attraction, the law of manifestation, you start seeing world in the way that you basically condition yourself to, to see it. Mm-hmm. And then that stuff starts coming through, but that's all neuroplasticity really, right? Because you're basically firing neurons in your brain to see things a certain way. Like yes. red, red car, red car, red car, red car, red car, red car, red car. If I keep saying that, when you leave the office, you're going to go out, you're going to pay more attention to red car because someone triggered you into thinking about a red car. It's as simple mm-hmm. as that. Yeah. Okay. So, so when you then implement that every single day, because also people say, and this is what I learned from my clients as well. Oh, but I didn't have time for that. I didn't have time for that. Mm. You touched on that earlier on as well. So, yeah. So the, the practice, okay. So implement implementable tools, right? So mindfulness doesn't necessarily have to look like what everybody initially conceives it to look like, right? It's not this like meditation. There are many different types of meditations, right? Uh, meditation is a whole world into itself, you know? Um, yeah. And so mindfulness is like a type of meditation. It's where you're engaged in the present moment and you're fully consumed through your senses, vividly, richly into the moment at hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you can be mindful eating a sultana, right? You grab a sultana, put it in your mouth. Don't chew it. Yeah. Immediately you want to chew it, but like just noticing that response, like I put something in my mouth immediately I chew and I swallow and it's job done. But like actually just put it on your tongue. Take a moment to salivate. You start noticing what goes on in your mouth, the urge that's coming from your, like, you know, from your, from the bottom of your belly, which is like, whoa, like I just want to eat, you know? And it's like, wow, you know, how consciously do I consume, you mm. know, and how, how much do I not? And there's all these paras, like narratives that come up, but again, just being present with the sensation of what is um, in the workplace. One that works really well is look up. You're always down on your computer, looking down. You're always talking to people. But do you ever, there are shelves in most offices and there are boxes and all this stuff overhead, but we never stop to look at it. Just take a moment to look up. You just, for a second, became more mindful of your environment. Yeah. It takes, that took less than two seconds. You're becoming more mindful. Yeah. And so again and again, like with mindfulness, what I personally like to try and get everyone to is to exercise in more and more moments of mindfulness mm-hmm. rather than, you know, especially in the workplace, because you can have a morning meditation practice, which is, you know, I am, you know, nothing would have helped me through my depression more than basically my morning meditation practice. Um, and it's completely changed my life and I cannot advocate anything more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but moments of mindfulness throughout the day are a complete game changer. You know, just taking a, a moment to pause and breathe Mm. a moment to pause and breathe. And for some people, it doesn't make sense to just, I don't remember to breathe. Okay. Set an intention, Mm. set an intention for your day. It's like, okay, so today my mission is to be kind to people, right? That could just be a simple intention. Like I have an intention for kindness, right? And then you have moments in your day where you're like, not kind. It's like, okay, cool. Just check in, pause, check in with your intention. When you're doing that, you're breathing. And then you carry forward, right? So there's all these different ways to introduce mindfulness into your day, trying to implement more gratitude into your day. Yeah. Straightforward. Now they're doing like, they're doing studies around gratitude in the workplace. I'm surprised that you need studies. (laughs) 
around no. gratitude in the workplace, right? But they're doing this, right? So um, like the, when you think about it, to be grateful to someone, you've just got to be that little bit more present to be like, ah, that was really nice. Thank you for doing that. That was a moment of mindfulness, whether you like it or not. You were mindful of whatever energy went into that moment to occur the way that it did for someone to give you something that you were grateful for. So personally, I like to set people up with basically a power pause, yeah, in the middle of your day, right? So like consistently just checking in at certain points and going, this is my moment of pausing and it's a powerful pause, right? So you set yourself up for, and just check in with your breath. Now in and around that, I like to recommend, and again, everybody's different, right? But if we can, for your listeners, easiest place to go, power pause throughout the day and take seven deep breaths. Again, you know, I'm an engineer, so I look at the science, six deep breaths, of your diaphragm expanding and slowing, uh, expanding and uh, contracting. Yeah, slows, slows down your breath, right? But it also drops you from your sympathetic to your parasympathetic nervous system. Six deep breaths is all it takes. Wow. Yeah, so I always say seven because seven's a good number. It's easy to remember. It's the answer to everything in high school. When you're like, what's the answer to that? I don't know, seven. seven. <laughs> <laughs> and so there's one for fix and it's one for luck, right? So if you can take seven deep breaths, seven really deep breaths in a moment and that moment you know it it doesn't have to that takes less than 30 seconds that shifts your biochemistry that shifts your awareness that shifts your response you go from being more reactive to having actually a response everything shifts Mm -hmm. and so if you can like have those moments throughout your day you're in with a win you know and then if you package something like that in with you know a morning meditation practice and an evening meditation practice, you know, you're basically, it's, I, I kind of see it as becoming superhuman, especially in a world which is filled with so much noise, so much response, so much like information always coming at you, just being breathing and centered and connected to your biology. When there's so many things that are calling us to like disconnect from our biology, you know, it's, it's really, it, it, it makes you superhuman. You're just super present. Um, yeah. So especially again, while I'm, just on this topic, morning practice, people see someone sitting for 30 minutes. You know, when you and I first start working together on a meditation practice, I ask you firstly, how long can you sit for still? Okay. And people go five minutes and I'm like, okay, cool. Your morning practice is two and a half minutes. And they're like, what? That's not meditation. And I'm like, if you can keep your thoughts on just your breath for two and a half minutes straight, Mate, that's amazing. <laughs> yes, yes. Without having other thoughts creep in and just staying engaged with your breath for two and a half minutes, that's a solid meditation. And then even in that, they're like, yeah, my thoughts keep drifting. And I'm like, yeah, that's two and a half minutes. Yeah. Trying to do that for 20 minutes when you just start is, is like career suicide. Why? Because you just, like, you're just going to think this thing really sucks. Like I can't consistently stay on my breath. Of course you can't. You set yourself up for 20 minutes. When you learn to run, you don't just go, okay, I'm going to run a marathon. No, you run around the block a couple of times and go, okay, these shoes maybe are good for me to run in. And then you start running 3Ks, 5Ks, same way. Mm -hmm. So how how far are you comfortable running from here to, you know, two kilometers? All right, cool. Let's start with just making your exercise regime a kilometer then. That's exactly the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so with mindfulness and meditation, it's all right, how long can you meditate for in the morning? Five minutes. Let's do it two and a half. Plus all the behavioral psychology stuff that I understand as well, you know, once you say five minutes and then it's only two and a half, all the excuses kind of evaporate. It's like, that's no time. And then for me, fundamentally, a big part of helping you meditate is also building a habit, right? 
Mm, and yeah. once, you've, once you're in the habit, it's harder to break out, but it takes two months and just a little bit to build a habit, right? Which sounds like a long time, but in the grand scheme of your life is nothing. Mm-hmm. So right now, not meditating feels weirder than meditating, right? So it's like when I miss a meditation, it's like, oh, I've gone against the grain. Whereas for most people, it's like, oh, it was so nice I had a meditation. You know, it's like this interesting dance that happens. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, and that's, that's really interesting because <laughs> when you say two and a half minutes, um, it's funny because it actually reminds me because people sometimes tell me, oh, why don't you just take a bath and relax? To me, that's a waste of time. <laughs> I, you know, I sit in the bath for two minutes going, okay, what am I doing here? I'm going to hop out. Mm. Um, however, I can sit in meditation for a long time. Mm. That's a completely different experience. Whereas other people feel if they have that bath, for them, that's already a type of meditation. Mm-hmm. Right? And I love the fact that you take it step by step for people as well. Because what went through my mind when we were talking about that, if, if I was told straight off the bat, you need to sit down for half an hour with your legs crossed and go mm, for 30 minutes and I can only do it for five, then I would see that as an imperfection and a failure because I haven't done it for 30 minutes. Right. Yeah, and on that note of like, on that note of imperfections and failures, and you've touched on something really important here, which is, you know, my f- fundamental belief is that there's 7.6 billion people on the planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. So the key thing, and this is just human beings, this is not including the animals, not including the trees, not including all life, right? Just human beings. There are 7.6 billion people here. Okay. So I personally believe that we are all the universe looking in on ourselves. That's one of my corest, deepest philosophies, Mm. right? So in that way, you are a lens on the universe. Meditation is purely a practice of observation, right? So my meditation practice is never going to look like yours because you're a different observation point in on the universe. So because there's 7.6 billion people, there's at least 7.6 billion different meditations occurring at any given time. It's just how present are you in that state of observation to your experience of life, right? Mm. So there are so many different ways to meditate. I literally say there's 7.6 billion people. There's at least 7.6 billion ways to meditate because that's, that's the nature of the universe. We're all the universe looking in on ourselves. Yes. So in and around that, you know, it's a massive challenge. And a lot of the people I end up with being like, as my clients, it's like, I've started this meditation practice. It didn't work. What, you know, what is next? Like, how do I actually make this work? I know there are benefits hidden in meditation waiting for me, but my practice doesn't work. And so what does your practice looks like? And it's like, it's this. And it's like, that, that isn't you in any way. You know, some people walking meditation is amazing. They Mm -hmm. love to just go walk and feel their entire feet yes. in each and every step. Now, who's like, so some people, that's not meditation. No. Right? For you, a bath isn't meditation. For someone, a bath is a meditation. For some people, gardening is a meditation. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like this whole thing, like where is it that your flow is found? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I so agree with that. And it's, it's also different moments in your life. It sort of allows for a different type of meditation as well. Because I've experienced that too. Sometimes I feel, okay, I can actually sit in meditation quietly in my spiritual corner at home. Whereas other times I'm walking out with my dog and I'm in nature and then I'm meditating all of a sudden. And it's, Mm. you know, whatever you need as well. And to allow that to be creative and have fun with that too, to explore what it is for you that really resonates in that process. And that makes it fun, you know, and it gives a bit of variety in it too. So it's not more, not like a chore. (laughs) Well, that's, that's the biggest thing that, you know, especially working with Eckhart Tolle at the moment, it's like 
every moment is an opportunity for you to drop into the moment. Yeah. You know, so whether you're walking the dog, whether you're in the bath, whether you're sitting in your meditation seat, whether I'm sitting in this conversation with you. Yeah. There's always that opportunity to pause and really sink it all in, like, uh, like soak it all in. Yeah. You know, and just sink into it and soak it all in and sink into it deeper and soak it all in. And that's just the more you do that, the better you get at it and just consistently walking that, you know, like presence again and again and again to the point where you're more present than you are not, you know, because you've spent so much time. But again, it's like anything, you know, it's the art of cultivation. You know, the more yeah. you've got to do it more and more. You know, I'm acutely aware that a lot of the work that I do with corporates after speaking on mindfulness and meditation focus is a big conversation point you yeah. know so i'll consciously have to be like okay i know i need to use social media but at the same time i need to use it in a very like sort of controlled response because if i'm not consciously working with social media i'm using it just like everybody else and everybody <laughs> else is very qualified in giving a talk on distraction because they're spending a lot of time talking like distracted right Yes. But I'm trying to cultivate focus in my life so that I can help people focus through meditation and mindfulness. But it's like all these things, all these subtle nuances that you start observing where your energy is going, what you're doing, what you're invested in. What is it that you're cultivating? Are you cultivating presence? Then that becomes, you know, part of who you become and what you offer. Mm, I love that. What are you cultivating? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah fantastic. Wow, amazing stuff. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's absolutely wonderful. Is there anything else that you feel you want to share with the audience? Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for asking such a <laughs> open <laughs> question. Um, yeah. So fundamentally, um, if I could, you know, and this is, is my truth, um, you know, through the years of meditation, through everything in my life, um, what I feel like my message is here is to basically just share the simple, the simple fact that, you know, your health and your purpose are the same thing. Yeah. And so a lot of us have it like uh, aware, aware of our health. A lot of us are like, you know, I should be going to the gym. I should be doing this or I should be eating this or green smoothies or six pack abs or surfing or whatever it looks like for you. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but we all at some point know that our health is fundamental to the experience of life. And the easiest, like the easiest way for that to drop in is like when you don't have health, like normally where like a lot of people are out running after money, but they're not running after chasing their health. Mm -hmm. As soon as, as soon as the health breaks down, money is money, but health, they're broken down. Right. So then they start going, Oh, health is actually fundamental. Yeah. But the question why, or why am I here is not as fundamental to people as what health is for some reason. Right. Mm -hmm which I understand it's an existential question. Why do you need to ask that? But the reality is when you come back to the fact that, you know, if we can get on board with the idea that, okay, I am the universe. Yeah. Like I came from this universe. Like I was birthed out of this reality and this experience of what is yeah. Into this universe. So I am the universe looking in on myself. Yeah. So in and around that I am here. Why am I here? Mm -hmm. Right. What is the purpose of me being here? Now, when you, you find that when you find your flow, like there are certain points which you find flow, right? And flow is a whole science in itself. It's a whole nother podcast conversation in <laughs> itself. But I believe you drop into moments of flow, right? Deep, like where things become, they're rich, they're effortless, 
you how you experience timelessness, right? Spaciousness, stillness, like it's all this amazingness that comes from being in flow because you're doing what you were here to do. Mm-hmm. How, and you see some people, they're just, they have so much vitality doing the most amazing things in, in their life because they've figured out what it is that they were here to do. They experience vitality hidden in the word. Vitality is vital. What is it that is vital to creation that you were put here to do? Right. And that gives you your vitality. When you're vital to existence, you experience vitality. If you're not vital, you start to decay and nature goes, Hey, I tried to get you to do this thing, but let me reclaim you so I can get the carbon molecules back and turn you into the next thing. Right. So in and around that, your health and your purpose are the same thing. So when you're actually living the life that you were meant to live, you will experience hands down without a question, vitality, joy, abundance, like you've never experienced it before. Mm. That's just, they're the same thing. Health is your purpose and your purpose is your health. And for a while I was walking around going, you know, this is a whole philosophy of mine and mine alone. Um, and maybe I was just born into an Indian culture and, you know, there's some sort of roots in that or something, but this is actually the, the core tenet of Ayurveda. It turns mm-hmm. out, and I've recently just discovered this about, well, recently about 18 months ago now, that basically what it is, is Ayurveda is holistic wellness, right? From Vedic science, which is thousands and thousands of years old. But at its core, Ayurveda is here to facilitate your dharma. And your dharma is the way you walk and live in your life. What is your offering to life? Mm. So your health is here to support you to offer your gift to humanity and live the life that you are here to live. Right? So living the life that you are here to live is your fundamental priority. And your health falls in line after that because it's, you're doing what you're meant to be doing. Mm. Mm. So health and purpose are the same thing. And it's really, really important to connect with that. And so, you know, a lot of what we talk about, right, is mental health awareness and we talk about meditation. But the reality is you become self-aware. When you become self-aware, you start realizing what your job is doing to you or not doing for you, right? It's like, okay, my job is really good for me because it does this, this, or this. Or my job is not doing this for me and it does this, 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 and this, right? But once you have that awareness, now you have the opportunity to shift and recalibrate into your higher purpose, right? And so that's where your mental health kicks into like, ah, I'm doing what I'm meant to be doing. I'm satisfied. I have fulfillment. I'm more suited towards. So for me, I was an engineer, right? And so for me, I love to speak and I love speaking in communication basically, right? So whether I'm speaking on stage, you know, around the world or whether I'm in a podcast with you, as long as I know now through my awareness that communication is like a key touchwood thing for me. Mm-hmm. Right? And I love it. I absolutely love it. It's, it's a big part of what I fundamentally believe I'm here to do. Plus sharing this message. As you can see, I can rant and rumble on this message as much as I want. And I'll continue to not run out of information about it because it's what I'm here to do. My natural curiosity points all lead into that. Yeah. Right. So in and around that, I found that an energy comes to that naturally because I can't avoid it because it's what I was here to do. So that awareness of the self, which comes from meditation is like actually the good stuff. Yeah. Once you start becoming self-aware, you start experiencing, you know, the opportunity to course correct yourself into self-love. And once you start loving yourself, life becomes this really amazing, amazing place to really like engage with and create from. And it's all there. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. You are such a wise and beautiful soul. It's just, yeah, I can continuously listen to you. It's just amazing stuff. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I love to talk, so you're lucky. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, truly, I mean, it's always an honor to be in your presence and you have such a wealth of information and such a beautiful heart that what you do is so powerful. And, you know, everyone needs to learn this. Everyone needs to tap into that. And um, the fact that you touched on health is purpose and purpose is your health. You know, you couldn't have said that much better because that encompasses everything that you and I both do as well, you know, and that's, it's all driven, you know, in, in that space. So yeah, amazing stuff. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for your blessings. It's such a, such a treat and a privilege to be here and, yeah, I'm really, um, really excited for your podcast. You know, I, um, I just like, I, I love your energy and I know that, you know, podcasting for me has been a complete life changing, um, mm. and just knowing that, you know, the podcast in a big way is just an extension of my own energy, um, that I get to share with the world and it gets received and, you know, shared back and just the mirror that comes from that is so profound and such a blessing. Um, I'm just glad that your energy has the opportunity to spread further through podcasting because the world needs more of that. So thank you so much for doing what you're doing and yeah, having me on today for sure. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Um, now one more question. How can people find you, get in touch with you, work with you? <laughs> awesome. So just a real point um, I'm going to make here quite abundantly is connection is what is like my highest value. So if anything comes up at any point, you want to have a chat, don't hesitate to connect. Yeah. Like I absolutely value it. It may take some time for me to get back to you, but at the moment, you know, I will get back to you. So mm. the best place to do that at the moment is Facebook messenger. Um, just because I'm personally on that most of the time. Um, so if you want to add me on Facebook, it's purely A M R I T. S-A-N-D-H-U, Amrit Sandu. There's a page which you can like and the page will, like, we, I can send you responses through the page. The Inspired Evolution also has a Facebook page um, which you can connect to, but that's like the whole Inspired Evolution. So if you want to connect to me personally, find me on Facebook, Amrit Sandu. Um, alternatively, send me an email, Amrit, A-M-R-I-T, at inspiredevolution.org.org. So Amrit at inspired with a D inspired evolution dot O-R-G. And, um, and yeah, there's a website there at inspiredevolution.org. You can find me there, but if you really want to connect, have a, have a chat, something came up for you in this conversation or something, you know, you feel like needs addressing or whatever, or you just expressing your gratitude or some point of difference by all means, get in touch with me on Facebook. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's always really easy to connect there. Wonderful. Thank you. And I'll put all those links up on the page as well. So it's easy for people to just click through. Awesome. Um, but thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. Wow. I'm inspired again <laughs> to be even more conscious in my mindfulness and meditation. And uh, yeah, I just wish everybody a wonderful day and a wonderful evening or morning, wherever you are in the world. And Amrit, thank you again so much. I'm sure you've inspired so many people to really get into this because it is immensely important. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for having me. Such a blessing. Thank you so much for listening to yet another inspiring high vibration episode of Connecting Soul Beings podcast. I truly love receiving your comments, stories and feedback. Keep connecting as they are truly inspiring. 
The easiest way to connect with me is via my website www.biancaderose.com. You can also find me on Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn under Bianca De Rose. If you love our community and this podcast, you can help us by sharing and liking the show via Pippa, YouTube, iTunes and the website. And if you feel that connecting soul beings and myself can help you connect to yourself and the animals, then hop on over to www.biancaderose.com and find out how we can truly connect and help you along. Thank you again so much. Stay connected with love and grace.